You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. All right, George Carlin said it best. All you need in life is a little place for your stuff. This is my stuff. This is your stuff. And that'll be your stuff over there. Uh, And this is all your house, a place to keep your stuff. That's all it is. If you didn't have so much stuff, then you probably wouldn't need a house. You just walk around all the time. Think about that. A house is just a pile of stuff with a cover on it. Well said, Mr. Carlin. Well said. And when your house isn't big enough, hey, what do you do? There's always storage, right, Scott? This is D.C. Lucchese sitting in for the vacationing Brian Young here on the Brand Builders Podcast. I am here, of course, with Scott Dunstan, president of the Dunstan Group. And we're talking about a place for your stuff with our man Brent Wright on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. What's going on, Brent? How are we doing, buddy? Nothing much, buddy. Glad to, <laughs> glad to reconnect. It's been a while. No yeah. kidding. It, it's such a small <laughs> world. And, uh, you know, Brent and I grew up in Elizabeth City together. I was a little bit older than him, but we've always kind of yeah. been in touch and certainly know his family well and, and uh, miss him. Um, so great to see you, man. And it's so, so damn cool to see you doing well and a managing partner in a company I believe you founded, uh, maybe with your partner. That's correct. Um, but that's exciting. I love to see uh, everyone from Elizabeth City that that I know. Uh, uh, at least a lot of them are doing well. Some of them aren't. But uh, <laughs> glad to see you doing well. <laughs> we got out of there, my man. Oh, man. Don't <laughs> be throwing E-Town under the bus like that, man. I'm like, hold on. Hold on. Man. No, it's all nah, good. Uh, it's all good. There, there's this special bond, though, from coming from that small community. And I, I certainly appreciate my roots and everything that that taught me and the relationships we still have. And uh DC, thanks for that introduction. Um, you you mentioned uh, Brian's out on, on a little vacay this weekend, so we're missing him. But uh, so Brent, tell us a little bit, man. Tell us about fifty uh, fifty storage and how you started it, and um, let's talk about that. Sure. Um, well, it was not pretty, uh, <laughs> and I think probably maybe most entrepreneurs start out like that, but. Um, You know, I did not have any prior real estate experience. Uh, My family necessarily wasn't heavily involved uh, in real estate kind of in any capacity. And really, so when I started the company and we've kind of morphed uh, over the years uh, and our strategy has changed uh, as we've just become a little bit more educated. Uh, But initially, it just kind of started out as we saw it a way to really be able to create you know, uh, wealth for ourselves and for our family. Um, and that also is to changed, uh, which hopefully we'll have a little bit of time, uh, to talk about later on. Uh, but essentially, uh, just started out. It's about 27 years old. Everyone, as everyone knows, real estate is pretty capital intensive and I didn't have a good pitch going into the bank or the investors. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my balance sheet wasn't there. I mean, you can only imagine sitting down to talk to Mr. Banker and say, you know, I need a $10 million loan to go build this uh, facility. Have you ever built this? No. Do you know anything about the asset class? No. Um, it's not a very good pitch to a bank. Um, <laughs> but I would say the good thing about it is, is that maybe it was just hard headed. Um, but my business partner and I, uh, Josh Davis, we really just kind of, uh, really just kind of kept pushing the ball up the hill. And when we would find new challenges, we'd just come up with prop or problem solved to be able to overcome those. But 
getting a little bit long-winded here. Uh, essentially, the way that it came together was there was a gentleman that Josh's dad uh, had done business with before in the past. And the initial pitch was, look, you guys go find opportunity. Here's kind of my model. Uh, and I can give you guys some sweat equity kind of in the deals. Uh, so that's how it kind of initially started out. And Josh and I just really kind of beat our heads against the wall for probably about a year. Uh, at this point in time, we were both had moved to Denver, Colorado, and that's kind of where we were starting to initially uh, get the company off the ground. Um, we got impatient, so we borrowed uh, each about $60,000 uh, from friends and family and tried to move forward on a project that the gentleman that was kind of initially backing us did not approve of. And we ended up losing about 80% of that initial capital. And by kind of just random luck, there was a trade kind of when one of our trade magazines, there was, uh, you know, an ad that said 90% kind of loan to cost, non-recourse construction debt. And so I called on it and the gentleman that answered the phone um, had a company called Jernigan Capital. And that was really the rocket boosters that kind of took us from that standpoint and we put our first shovel in the ground in August of 2016, uh, actually on a project there in Charlotte uh, off Mallard Creek uh, Church Road and I-85. And from 2016 to 2020, we partnered with a private equity firm and in that time period built roughly about $100 million of self-storage kind of between four states. We sold our last uh, deal uh, in August of 2020 and then kind of revamped the business again. We saw a lot of kind of risk on the construction side. Uh, as young guys, that's a long time to put capital out there uh, to be able to entitle a piece of land, then get it constructed, then lease it up. So, I mean, you're not really getting any return on your money for kind of four to five years. So we transitioned and we started buying kind of mom and pop uh, uh, existing assets that were already cash flowing and kind of smaller markets. And today we've kind of gotten back to the point where we were in our heyday on the development side. We have about 25 properties now through six states and uh, continuing to grow. So um, really from November of 2020 to now, the business has really transformed. We have about 45 people uh, inside uh, Stormark, which is our brand. And uh, yeah, things are good. Mm -hmm. Every day is a, a new challenge for sure. Wow, that man! Think of an origin story, man, for sure. <laughs> no doubt, and that that's typical, right? Like that's a that's a that's a common thread for an entrepreneur. Just that whole failing forward sort of deal, right? Like especially if we're trying to get started in a new industry and and make our way uh, with not a whole lot of experience. That's uh, that's really impressive, for sure. Is it still like over the past forty years or so? I've, I believe storage has been one of the fastest growing industries. Is that is that still the case? And maybe why you initially thought that this might be a great industry to pursue? Sure. Um, I'll start with kind of your 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 last question first. Um, in terms of you know pursuing, there is still a tremendous amount of opportunity in the space. Uh, and kind of to frame it up uh, for y'all is. There are 55,000 self-storage facilities in the United States. Now, if you take the domestic units of Wendy's, 
McDonald's, Starbucks, and Burger King combined, there are more self-storage facilities in the U.S. than those four companies uh, than I just mentioned. So wow. it's absolutely mind-blowing the um, amount of consumption, I guess you could say, that we have in the United States, but also the amount of, I guess, value that, that we place uh, on those items. Uh, to also kind of give you uh, kind of a perspective on, on the growth, in the early 90s, about 2% of American households utilized self-storage. Today, that number is closer to 11%. So just a lot of continued uh, growth in the space. And, and it's very, very fragmented. I mean, the largest operator today uh, which is now extra space. They just dethroned public storage. Oh, wow. Uh, actually, a couple of months ago. Uh, so they have 3,000 locations, uh, but only approximately 4% of the market share. So it's a very fragmented industry. So, right wow. for consolidation. Wow. Yeah. Which is opportunity to sell, right? In, no. in your position. Correct. <laughs> I just saw Absolutely. also, I, I, we've yeah. got some stuff to your point and to your point, DC, in storage, <laughs> uh, life storage. And I just got an email yeah. just this week yeah. that that must have been acquired and there's a new operator, new owner possibly. And, and so yeah. to your point, seems to be happening, right? Yeah. And this mm -hmm, is not a sure. small, this is not a small business. This is a multi-billion dollar business, most of which from what I'm, I've read and I'm, you know more than I, but like I said, I had to do a little homework in advance of this, most of which takes place in the United States. It's, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I read that 90% of the storage business is in the United States, right? That is, that is correct. It is certainly an American phenomenon for, for sure. <laughs> There's no question about that. Well, well, so so, and you say phenomenon, but it's like if, if we're talking about forty years in the making, it's certainly not an overnight success. It's like right, it's like not something that happened like last week or because of the Rona or anything like that. But what continues to drive this business that can this industry that continues to outpace every other index? Sure, I mean, I think it's a couple of factors. I mean. One is, you know, I would say about six years ago when, you know, everyone was saying millennial this and how millennials yeah. are changing markets and so on and so forth. There was a fear that millennials were not going to utilize storage the way that the boomer generation utilized yeah. storage. Um, now, that ultimately ended up being correct in that they don't utilize it. The, they don't utilize it in the same way. Here's a really good example. When we were developing, it was mainly very much an urban core kind of markets, whether it be in Denver uh, or Charlotte, we built one outside mm -hmm. of I-277, uh, which is now branded an extra space. But I was amazed by the number of people, young folks in the Nodi area, in the Plaza Midwood area with all those apartments that were utilizing our space. And really it was just, more from a seasonal standpoint, uh, whether it's, you know, a, a, an extra closet or something of that nature. Now, they weren't storing family heirlooms, um, but they were still utilizing storage and actually visiting the space, which is super interesting, mm -hmm. three times more than the boomer generation. So they were in and out very often. I, I, 
I'm aware of folks literally yeah. running businesses out of these things. Um, we had a guest on. I don't the, think the a, music I don't pod. think a room full of grow lights is a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm sure you've seen. I'm sure you've seen and it you all. You know bro. that happens. You know that happens <laughs> uh, in those spaces. Hundred percent. But no, like uh, the guests we had on from Jambox. Yeah, different. Yeah, totally different setup. They have a, setup, a yeah. complete business that bring in musicians into their yeah. storage rented facility. We also had another guest that run a nonprofit furniture business yep. out of a storage uh, facility. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's a to great your, thing to your for point. small businesses. A great thing for small businesses because it's month-to-month lease. Um, you can get as much as really you, you want and you can grow kind of with your business versus if you were going to go, let's say, get like, let's say you just needed 2,000 square feet. You know, you're probably ultimately having to sign like a long-term lease. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know if the business is going to, you know, ultimately be successful. So small businesses utilize us uh, very heavily, especially now with drop shipping and kind of, you know, all these oh, yeah. uh, e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that has been a big part of our business. I mean, even a lot of uh, pharmaceutical uh, reps will utilize our uh, interior condition space. Grow lights. <laughs> yeah. How, <laughs> well, there, there is that. Ho- hopefully, they won't have to hide that much longer. But um, so, tell us about how. Just okay. And I don't even like bringing COVID up, but I'm really interested if if your industry did very well during that time, um, or or not. Like, what were some of your challenges throughout the past few years? Um, was it was it better for you or or worse? I'm always fascinated about that and how how this pandemic affected small business. Yeah, so this is a difficult question for me to answer because a lot of businesses did struggle during COVID and it was absolutely terrible. You know what happened to a lot mm-hmm. of small businesses in this country, uh, and the reason I say it's difficult because part of the reason I gotta kind of hold back some of the good things that happened to our business during that period of time and self-storage performed very, very well. Um, and a lot of that was due to the fact our business is really mainly driven off kind of four fundamentals. We call them the four D's and that's death, divorce, disposition, and downsizing. So anytime those life events are kind of occurring, people utilize self-storage. However, during COVID, kind of a fifth D kind of emerged, and we really kind of coining that phrase as decluttering, but really it was individuals, you know, they were having to change how, you know, they were living, whether it be in their apartments or their homes. Now they needed a place to be able to, for the kids to plug in for online school, or they needed to change the guest bedroom to a home office, or just hundreds of different kind of ways that people were kind of moving around in their lives to be able to embrace kind of the work from home and the, the stay at home really for, for that period. So that absolutely sent our occupancy levels through the roof. And um, it was a high, it was an all time high for the business over like a 40 year period. Wow, man. Fantastic. Congratulations. Wow. Well, and that's but, the thing I'm so interested in. Yeah. Some people, some industries did very, very well and some suffered. Um, yep. and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, the strong survive and, and all this basic core principles in business. Right. But yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Well, let me, let me ask you that. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about this. You mentioned earlier about, uh, about some of the big brands uh, or the, I guess the more known brands and 
They only own 4% of the market share. Does a brand name, I guess, elicit any particular response in this industry? Or is it like, hey, man, they're just in the right place at the right time for me. I don't care whose name is on it. So I guess it does marketing, branding, does a brand name or whatever, does any of that influence somebody's decision in choosing storage or not? Sure. That's a great question. And just to clarify, so the, the top four largest companies, actually the top 10 operators in the country have about 18% market okay. share. That one company I just yeah. mentioned was around four. Yeah. But I have not seen anything in our data. I've never heard of our competitors mention anything about brand loyalty mm -hmm. at all. Um, it's really, you know, storage is one of those things which is why it's so difficult to develop because, you know, like if you do an office building or something like that, you may go pre-lease 60, 80, maybe even sometimes a hundred percent of that office space before you even put a shovel in the ground and self storage because of those life kind of demand or mm -hmm. drivers right. that I mentioned, people aren't looking 30 days out in advance really for storage. So I don't really think there's any brand loyalty. There's probably been an argument to be made that, we probably shouldn't be wasting kind of our dollars in rebranding these facilities under the Stormark brand because I really don't think the customer views us like that. I mean, it's very much a commodity business. I mean, right, right, right. our box is the same as the next box down the road, but maybe a few nuances. To your point, mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't usually shop this way, but when it came to storage, I, it was priced for me. <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to your point, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in in the inner yeah. belt line yeah. of Charlotte and, and some of these units for 10 by 10 spaces, like 500 bucks a month. Right. So like, yeah, I'm looking right. for, I'm just storing some things there. It's not wow. profitable for me right. or anything. It's a cost. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so I was looking for price, you know, and security, right. obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we wanted to make sure our stuff would remain there and, and be safe. <laughs> sure. That, that's one of our core principles of the company. You're to keep it secure and dry. Right. I, I, I can see that as a marketing thing right there. Your crap will still be here when you come back. It's like, thank you, George Carlin. We appreciate that. Um, um, but, but, but even still though, there are some, some things, I mean, like, like, like we were joking about security. Yeah, man, people want to know that their stuff is there or is going to be there and they don't have to sweat, you know, it's going to be dangerous for me to even access it. But the industry continues to innovate with, uh, you know, with, like you said, with the, the ability to book online, to take virtual tours, you know, to have, you know, keyless access and all those kinds of things. What do you think are some of the things that the industry will continue to do going forward to make it more uh, accessible and user-friendly? Sure. Well, I think storage has really woken up probably over the past, call it six to, to eight years. We've actually have gotten some, some really good vendors now in the space uh, from a technology standpoint that, that we previously didn't have, uh, which is then forcing some of the suppliers of certain products in the space to innovate as well. So, I mean, for example, one of the door suppliers is a company called Janus International. Uh, they're based out of Atlanta. And essentially what they have now is what's called a Noki lock. And essentially what how that operates, as long as you have your phone on you and you're coming up yeah. to the gate or the door, that near field communication will then automatically open that door for you. 
you then get to your unit instead of remembering what key you left on which keychain to you know remove your lock. Now your phone's going to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think we'll continue to skate in the direction where it becomes fully self-service. Yeah. Um, we operate about 60% of our portfolio right now in what we call remote or unmanned locations. And that's where a manager is not sitting uh, in the seat kind of from nine to five. Uh, and it, everything is done either through our contact center or uh, online. And I think as we continue to innovate like that, because the process to move in is really not that difficult. I mean, if you were to go on the phone and rent one of our units right now, that might take you a maximum of six minutes. Uh, and oh, then you, you get go. your gate code, you know where your unit is. Um, we provide you a free lock. So when you open up the door, it's clean and everything's ready there for you to move in. I think the business will continue to move uh, in that manner. And I think that's because as you're explaining that, I'm thinking in my head, it's like, where is the where is the line that you go like, yeah, you could innovate and automate to what degree? And now I'm charging, you know, instead of charging Scott 500, I'm now having to charge him 750. Because <laughs> it's at some point, right, when storage was literally just a bunch of boxes somewhere, somebody said, you know, what would be the difference maker? Climate controlled. That would change the game. And, you know, sure. a lot of people were going like, Hell no, I am not air conditioned. Nobody's crap. And then somebody said, <laughs> hold my beer. And they did. Right. And it, I can't even imagine that you would probably have to be in the hinters of nowhere and you could still probably find climate controlled storage. It's like a hotel. Wow. You have air conditioning in a pool and free internet. So does everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. am, am I yeah. right? I mean, it's like, it's like it, at some point that just like the bar just keeps having to get higher and higher and higher for everyone in the game. And then, but where is that line between, you know, okay, we can only do so much to where at some point you're like, dude, come on. I'm basically built your house now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's also market dependent. I mean, you know, there's people that have tried to get in uh, and, and in some places it works very well with more kind of a white glove kind of service. I'll call it. Uh, or they'll have wine storage and things of that nature. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that only works in, you know, certain markets. I mean, I guess if you had one in South Park, you could probably do pretty well uh, with wine storage. West Would that Palm work Beach in Elizabeth City? Well with... um, no, <laughs> no I mean, come on, maybe, come on. Maybe for your, if we said your netty light was safe, maybe that would work. But, um, <laughs> no offense, East City, we love much. you, man. We love you. <laughs> Yeah, no offense, EC. Love you, man. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm seeing them all over the place. I'm on yeah. your website. looks looks great. Looks great. And um, Eden. So it, it looks like you're yeah. you're in some suburbia markets or some rural areas. Um, is that where you're mainly focusing, or do you do you see you uh, you and your business moving more into uh, urban environments? So I don't I really don't see us moving back into urban environments. And the reason for that is, is mainly due to the fact that the cost of capital, we can't compete with the Blackstones and the extra spaces and the public storages. I mean, their cost of capital is just, it's nothing. Um, so, you know, if I kind of look at my, you know, deal stack and, you know, I got to pay investors mm -hmm. 8% preferred return and then, 
you know, I got, you know, bank loan now, I guess probably maybe in the seven percent range. My cost of capital then is about seven and a half percent, where those guys are probably about three or four percent, maybe potentially below that. Mm. So one of the things we try to do is play in sandboxes where we know that we can be competitive and in kind of our investment thesis is really to kind of play on the outskirts of the rim. So like Eden, you just mentioned, that's probably about a 30 minute drive or so into Greensboro. So kind of playing around the the outskirts. Yeah. Um, and then most of kind of the mom and pop owners in that, that own those assets, that tends to be a second business for them. So it's not a huge focus. So when we go in there and we kind of implement the technology and our revenue management and so on and so forth, there's a lot of meat on the bone to be able to get very, very quickly, which then helps, you know, increase the returns for ourselves and our investors. And I really just believe if we get a big enough portfolio, you know, someone's going to come knocking because we've kind of chipped away at this thing of, you know, $5 million here on an asset, $6 million there. I mean, you get to a couple hundred million, somebody's going to want that just because of totally. the ease of striking that check day one. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so what would you need um, from your relationships and all as you move forward? Is is your primary focus adding adding more product, adding more investors, bringing in more private equity, or are you pretty set on all those things for now? No, not set at all. I mean, I made or I say I made, Josh and I made the classic entrepreneur mistake. When we were developing, it was just him and I. We did that. We didn't have admins. We didn't have any in-house or back office support. Uh, We did that really out of necessity because all we were able to live off was the development fees. Then when we started acquiring stores, where I'm saying we made the classic entrepreneur mistake is we didn't know how to scale a business. It wasn't until recently that we focused very hard on putting SOPs in place. We focused very hard on going out and finding the right talent. I felt myself working in the business versus working on the business. Mm, speaking and, my language. Yeah, bro. we talk about that all the time, don't we? Yeah. Speaking my language. <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off, but yes, sir. No, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, we went out and we got a consultant and, and, and really had someone come in and, and helped us really kind of build a, a stronger foundation. I mean, a lot of those uh, 45, you know, employees that are now that are under our kind of umbrella, I would say probably... 75 to 80% of those have been hired over the past year. That's great. So um, a lot of focus on getting, you know, the old Jim Collins, getting the right person on the bus in the right seat. So now I feel like we finally have a foundation in place to where we can scale. So to answer your question more specifically, Scott, I mean, we are definitely out there looking for, for new capital relationships, whether it be private equity, high net worth uh, individuals. Um, and, and my goal is really, I don't think that there's any reason why we maybe can't be at 100 to 150 properties in kind of the next seven to 10 years. Heck yeah, man. And I'm, I'm feeling yeah. you on that. We've, we've, it's taken me 15 years, but uh, finally hired a consultant to help with that very same issue. I think it's common with small business founders, especially, um, look, the company started with you and your relationships and you, your blood, sweat and tears and gears and all those things. 
And and it comes to a point where it's way too much for one or two people to handle, you know, and, and you have to be able to delegate and understand that, look, we've got to make this investment people for our own well-being, for our business and for scalability and for value. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, so, someone, if you were to sell, I mean, uh, no one wants a, a company that it's only you, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, you yeah. need contracts and all those things in yeah. place, but, uh, congratulations, man. Yeah. Um, I think that back to your entrepreneurial comment is part of the battles, right? It's like, look, we're strong in, in what we're strong in, but we have to be strong in understanding where our weaknesses are and hire folks that fill those, those gaps. Right. And that gives them opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hear you, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So before yeah. we, before we let you rip, man, I got to ask. So for all of our folks who are like, man, I'd like in on that, or I'd like to learn more, or I got money. <laughs> got cash. <laughs> how I, do I, they I, re- How do they get in touch with you, man? You need to put it to work, <laughs> exactly. baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah I, this sounds too self self promoting here. That's why I'm here, you man. Can visit Come our on. our website uh, that was created by Well Run Media. Uh, thanks, yeah. DC. Oh, thanks and, for the plug, man. Uh, it's 5050storagepartners.com, and then there's a link where you can uh, sign up to at least get on our kind of opportunity deal list, and then we just kind of take it from there. So uh, that's how somebody would get connected. That is gold right there. That is and no self plug, man. This is the Brand Builders Podcast. <laughs> it's all about you, your business. That is that is what this platform's all about. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're just thankful that yeah. you took a few minutes of your uh, busy schedule to spend with us. Appreciate well, thank it. you all so much. Enjoyed uh, connecting with you, Scott. It's been a while, and DC enjoyed speaking with you. Well, you bet, your brother. And y'all know the deal, man. Like it, love it, share it, follow it. Give it to somebody else. Tell them about the Brand Builders Podcast. Man, we appreciate both of you for listening. This is another exciting edition of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast. I'm DC Lucchese sitting in for the vacationing Brian Young and Scott Dunson. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Brent. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.